What do you think would happen to you if all of a sudden your husband fell down on the floor? Are you prepared? Or what do you think would happen if you went to your doctor, as Pam Paget did, because she had been having some bleeding, and he examined her and told her she had a very aggressive bladder cancer? Now that's the level of shock I'm talking about. What do you think would happen should you have been in Gaza or in Israel at the time October 7th came? It'd be like being at Pearl Harbor. It would be like being in the World Trade Center, hopefully on a lower floor in the World Trade Center. See, it's that level shock. That level disaster I'm speaking of. Are you prepared for that? I don't think so. God got my attention on it recently. We can prepare ourselves. There are three things that we must do. The very first thing we would need to be able to do in a situation like that is to say, God help me. The second thing we need to do is nothing. Wait until God helps you. Can you do that? We are sort of like cats and dogs when they get frightened. We just run, do something. Just panic. We're all like that. I'm like that. You're like that. You have something big strike you and see what happens. We've got to learn one thing. The first thing we do in any circumstance at all is say, God, help me. I don't know what to do. Help me. I need help. Concerning Pam Paget, she was raised Catholic and God brought her out of the Catholic Church. She went to a non-denominational church. God brought her out of that church and God taught her. She took the Bible and did the scriptures over and over and over until she got that scripture solid. She got the concepts in her heart. She just did this at home with the Bible and God. One day recently, internet went out and I didn't have a paper Bible in my room and I went in the living room where she was working on something or on the telephone and I just reached down and picked up her Bible and opened it up to whatever it was I was looking for. I just really couldn't read a word. It was marked all over. Now, I know Pam, and I know she lived it, the Bible. She looked at those scriptures until she could do them. And then she did it for like 40 years. I have another example of a woman in our church group 
who has been in our church group for at least 40 years, heard everything I've ever taught. Her husband fell down twice. Turned out he had a stroke. I'm sure in her heart she feels she called on God. But she got in such bad spiritual condition so fast that God had to give me an open vision of her. She was being totally swallowed by some sort of prehistoric snake. The snake didn't eat her or bite her. He was swallowing her. Like Jonah, she was going down into the stomach of the snake. The first scene I saw, she had her legs sticking out of the mouth of the snake. The second scene, the snake kind of gulped and swallowed her whole. What is going on? I knew it was her. I knew exactly who it was that the snake had swallowed. So there are just some things we really need to put into our lives. And it's only going to be done by doing it. You can't read it. You can only do it. As Pam drove into the parking lot that day, she said this horrible fear came upon her. She called on God, and she heard Romans 8.28. And we know that God makes all things work together for good to them who love the Lord to them who are called unto his purpose. No, all things don't work together for good for every human being. They work together for us, the children of God, who are called by God and taught by God and follow him doing what he shows them to do, building up a firm foundation by hearing from God and doing those things for 30 or 40 years. And then when you have that kind of foundation, you really are ready for the shocks that are going to come. But a lot of people just read the Word of God and think they have it, but they don't do it as a way of life. They do a little of it, but I'm talking about living it every day of your life. They just kind of rush through the writings and think they have it. Pam's not that way. To be prepared for what she was going to go through, it's incredible. What if you'd been in Israel when those things happened on October 7th? When the kidnappings and the killings before your eyes, when they were after you. See, it's that kind of shock. 
What have you been in the World Trade Center when the plane struck? Are you prepared for that? This is what we have to prepare for. These things are nothing compared to the day of vengeance described in the Bible and the Great Tribulation. There's a scripture where Jesus says, if you can't deal with the things in the green willow times, how are you going to prepare when it's dry? How are you going to do when it's dry? That's obviously a paraphrase. So Pam drives in to the lot where she parks her car to go in to meet with the doctor. And she is hit by this huge wave of fear. What'd she do? She turned instantly to God help me and she heard Romans 8.28. And when she got in the doctor's office and he said, it's an advanced grade bladder cancer, what did she do then? As she was telling me, I said, I'll bet you didn't do anything but sit there. She said, that is correct. She said, I was stunned. I sat there frozen. And then I remembered as I drove into the parking lot, I had that horrible fear, which I knew was related to this. And I heard the passage of scripture in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are the called. Those who are called by God to be Christians. Not the flag-waving ones and the jumping up and down ones at church during the song service and all of that raising of hands and things like that. Not those. Those that have had intensive training from God and have done years and years and years of Bible. One thing I love about the Old Testament is it shows you God is all. That's all there is, is God. I'll tell you a few little stories in this podcast. And then I think they'll all come together in your mind and heart. When President Biden was elected to be president and going to do a photo news op, I happened to be watching the television. And he was by himself. And someone had apparently forgotten to turn the camera off. And it was alive. He was a, it was a live picture, which I saw in my bedroom in Colorado Springs. He was getting ready to go on camera, and he was sitting by himself, sort of in a hallway on a concrete-type bench. And he was just sitting there. Nobody was talking. Nothing was going on. And he was seriously thinking 
of what he was going to do when he got on camera. And what he was thinking about, this is hilarious, he wasn't sure how he was supposed to do when he crossed himself as a Catholic. <laughs> and he took his hand and he looked at it. And then he raised his hand from up off his lap and he thought about it. Now, do I go left first or right first or up and down first? You could see him thinking. And then he finally decided, I think the first thing I do is touch my head. So he raised his hand and touched the center of his forehead. But then what? And you saw him thinking through this. And then, I don't remember whether he went to the right or to the left first. I was so hysterical laughing. And this is about the description of religion. When you're hit with a shock, it shows you a whole lot about yourself. Pam said later, she heard a scripture in John chapter 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And all Pam could think about is this what's going to end up being to the glory of God. When she came home, I use her downstairs bedroom. When she came home, she came into my bedroom and sat down in the chair, and I think I said something like, well, what happened? And she said, I have cancer. And I thought, this is illegal. <laughs> this is illegal. I know Pam. I know how she studied Bible. I know how she's done Bible. I know her way of life. This is illegal. She went to a specialist in Denver after that. I rode with her, sat in the lobby. I said nothing when she came out of the office. We got in the car and started back to Colorado Springs, which is a 50-mile drive. I said nothing. She said nothing. Not one word. Do you know enough to keep your mouth shut in crisis? Because the second thing you have to do after you call on God for help is to wait and hear from him. That shows whether or not you're trained. I said nothing. She said nothing. We got almost to Colorado Springs, and I think we'd gotten to the garage, and she was pulling the car in the garage, 
And she began to talk and said, the doctor says if I don't have my bladder removed surgically and have chemotherapy, I will be dead in one to two years. I still said nothing. We didn't grab each other and hold hands and pray. Now, if that's what you kind of have to do, but that's not, that's not real. We never did pray together over that cancer. All the time that she had the treatments, not once did we pray together. I know how to pray by myself. She knows how to pray by herself. I'm sure we both did that. But we didn't do any of that religious stuff that you see church people do. One time I saw my neighbors from across the street. They had homeschool with teenagers. And they had about 15 kids standing in a circle in the front of their house holding hands with their head bowed. I was horrified. I thought, oh, I hope my neighbors don't see that. I had one neighbor who hated God. She would hate him even more if she saw that. Now, why do they have to stand in front of the house? Why do football players have to fall down on their knees on the football field and cross themselves and do religious things? Why? Because it's a show for man. It's some kind of false religion. It's garbage. What's real? Silence before God. Just saying nothing until you have something to say. Well, that's what Pam and I did. We didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. But I thought things, and my thinking was, this is not legal. <laughs> I really did. I thought, I said, this, this is not legal. I know her way of life. This is illegal. <laughs> and the scripture that I dealt with with God is very revealing. It's James chapter 1. I believe it's verse 17. I'll turn to that. And you can too. James 1.17 I'm 86 years old almost. I've had so many broken bones from various falls. I cannot walk without a walker or a cane or holding on to something. Even a few feet. God miraculously put me here to live in Pam's house where we work together and she helps me. And we get the blog out and we get the podcast out. But it takes both of us, at least both of us, to do it. We have six animals. Four cats and two dogs, big dogs. I can't feed them. Pam has to feed them. 
Do you think God is going to put me here and kill Pam? That's nonsense. That is totally illegal. Verse 17 of James 1 is what I began talking to God about. I know every word in the Bible is from God. And here's what's in the Bible. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is not variable. He's not going to give you a good gift and take it away. There's no shadow of turning with God. This is illegal. God gave me an open vision of this cancer. He gives me open visions and shows it to me on the wall. It's sort of like you take a marks a lot and draw it. And it was red and it was up there on the wall. I think it was red. And it was blobs in a corner up at the ceiling. And it was just big blobs of stuff. And all of a sudden, I heard, whoosh, and it was gone. When you receive an open vision like that, it, it's just, especially about somebody you know, of course you have all these thoughts. Well, was that just my imagination? I would say that day I got the courage to tell Pam what I had seen. I felt it was God showing that that, Cancer would not win out. So they were going to do surgery on Pam in January and do chemotherapy in the months of October, November, December, something like that. Wait a month and do surgery and remove her bladder, and she would, for the rest of her life, have to have an artificial means of going to the bathroom. When Pam told me that, neither of us discussed a word. I didn't say anything. She prayed that there would be some other way to handle this. One day she was reading something published by the American Cancer Society doctors, and they said one statement Chemotherapy followed by radiation often presented the same results as surgery after chemotherapy. Now, would you rather have radiation and chemotherapy or have your bladder removed and have to have artificial catheters and stuff like that the rest of your life? If those doctors had been faced by that... I'll bet they had thought twice. She had five different medical people. None of them thought it would work. One of the doctors said, Do you have peace about this? Pam said, Yes, I have prayed about it, and I think this is the way to go. And he said, Well, then I'll set it up for you and go along with you. He said, Are you a Christian? And she said, Yes. And he said, so am I. None of the other doctors, including 
the one who did the radiation, none of them recommended this. They did not think it would work on Pam. Pam had a dream that she was meeting with a doctor, but there was a man sitting next to her to help her. God, angel of God, supporting her, strengthening her, keeping her in the path. They'd already started the chemo treatments, and she'd had one or two, two, I think, to prepare for the surgery. But they had to switch to another form of chemotherapy for radiation. So they switched to the other form, started the treatments in October, I think, 2022. Finished in December 2022. She was to have her first examination to see what had happened, test results. In April 2023, she went to the doctor to get the results, and he was trying to prepare her before he examined her. And he said, now, if we find cancer, if it's still there, we can do other things. And when he looked, he said, this is great. And every place he looked, it was gone. There was one little spot of red, but he said, that's nothing, we'll... We'll not deal with that now. We'll just, that's nothing. The cancer is gone. Four months later, they had her come back and they did tests again. They did that CAT scan stuff. They found no cancer. It just was gone. On our blog, on the right-hand side, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, we have a permanent link to the story telling of all the dreams and the prayers and the kinds of things, if you want to see it. Pam Paget, it's in blue, it's a link, I think, and just tap on it and it'll bring up the story of this in detail. Four months later, she went back, there was no cancer, it was gone. I'm not really sure what the woman did that was confronted with her husband having bad kidney stone attack at the same time that he had two little strokes and fell. But I know it wasn't controlled like this. She's been with us 40 years, but I know it didn't have that level of control And one thing, they have this uh, three-story house and stairs all over the place and he couldn't walk and it was a horrible situation. She has an adult-aged son and daughter and she said, we are going to move into Drew's condominium. He lives on the other side of the state. That was their plan. And one day I had this open vision. It was horrible. It was a giant snake, prehistoric type snake. It looked more like an alligator. 
and the snake had a woman in its mouth and only her feet and part of her legs were sticking out of the mouth and moving, squirming, wiggling. And then the snake swallowed her. It was this church woman. And God gave me interpretation of this. She was being swallowed alive, eaten alive by unbelievers. She'd never survive that. I told her the story of the vision. And I said to her, tell me how this come about that you're going to go live with your son who is an unbeliever. He's, I think, 50 years old now and twice divorced and made the statement to her, the Bible is so legalistic. And God said to me, people who say things like that, they don't want to be free from sin. They want to be free to sin. And I I said to her at one point, now what are you going to do when he brings home a woman to have sex? And you're living in his house? How's this going to work? Oh, by the way, I said, well, how did this come about? I didn't hear anybody mention God work this out. She said, well, he offered and we accepted. That was all she said. He offered to allow us to move into his condominium and we accepted. Well, I know what it's like when you're hit with all this stuff. You panic. But it shows me that she's not prepared. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to handle disasters? Three things that you must do to handle a disaster spiritually. And you have to live it. You have to live this. You don't, you don't just read the blog and occasionally do something and occasionally have a victory. You are a victory at all times when you're prepared. Let's look once again at this subject. When you have a shock or a disaster strike, what's the first thing that you do? When I heard it about Pam and the cancer, what did I do? Nothing. Except inwardly I'm saying this is illegal. This is spiritually illegal. What did she do? She reflected on what God has shown her when she drove into the parking lot of the cancer doctor's office. Romans 8.28 She focused on what God had shown her, not what she had imagined with her mind or tried to find. What God had said, she was still, completely still. That takes such inward control to be still. I watch what's going on in Israel right now. I watch the governments of men 
occasionally. They couldn't even elect a Speaker of the House. It was just all this talk and rumble and roar and uproar and no, nothing of substance. This is all going to fall apart. When real disaster hits, it's all going to fall apart. And then the United States tells Israel what to do, and Israel's going to do another thing. And then the United States puts pressure on Israel. Then Israel backs down a little. Are they going to be victorious that way? There is only one thing you can do. Silence before God and wait until he shows you. The woman who was going to move in with her son, she and her husband were going to move in with her son. After I had that dream where she swallowed by that giant prehistoric animal, it probably scared her, and I guess she really turned to God then. The next thing I heard from her is, we're not moving to Drew's house. And I said, what happened? And she said something like, I never did have peace about it from the very beginning. And yet for about a month, they were, that's what they were going to do. Hey, you can't be that slow. If you don't have peace about something, don't do it. Waiting. Waiting before God. So that was several months ago, and I, I think she's still living in the house with all the stairs. And I know that um, he was doing better. And the last thing I heard, last report I heard from her, is that they were going to continue living in the house where they were. At least it's all calmed down now. And it's in a state of being calm. She has a husband who's an unbeliever. She has a daughter and a son who, adult age, unbelievers, a grandchild, unbeliever, not one believer around her. And she would be moving into a setting where she would have close proximity with them. And she's not even that strong. After 40 years of reading what I write, see, it shows that what I write is virtually worthless unless you do it. Unless you live it. Christ dwells in you when you do that scripture. We have the Holy Spirit. We're given the Holy Spirit at the time we're born again to lead us and guide us and teach us. But he's not going to force us. At least I don't think so. We still have choices. Well, all of this thing... I on the Old Testament that I've been speaking of lately. All of this shows the real power of God. It shows how the main thing and only thing is to worship God. He only is God. It's not going to work 
unless he's leading you. So I'm going to stop speaking now, let you think about this. Maybe you'll take that Old Testament a little more seriously. And your own religion a little more seriously. Are you really prepared for what's coming? The Day of Vengeance, Luke 21. Going through things like you see in Gaza. Going through things like the cancer. How about the Great Tribulation? The only way you're going to be prepared, and I'm going to be prepared, is that focus on God and doing the Word of God. And you can sit in church a hundred years and not get there. And you can read my writings a hundred years and not get there. I recognized Pam Padgett was doing the Word of God. I didn't see her physically because she lived in Colorado Springs. I lived in Texas, 400 miles away. But when I fell and broke a hip, the day before surgery, the nurse came into my room and said, we cannot operate on you until you sign a paper telling us who's in charge of making medical decisions over you in case you can't make them yourself. And I said, Pam Padgett is in charge of me. Why would I choose Pam Padgett? She lived like I did. I knew she was doing the Word of God. Every time I talked to her, if she had a problem, she was not running to me with the problem. She was going to God with the problem, finding out what to do, solving the problem, and then telling me about the problem and the answer. That's the kind of person that can be in charge of me. And there were a great many times that I saw one woman do things, and I said, oh, God, please, if I ever get to where I can't take care of myself, don't let her be in charge of me. Are you going to let somebody be in charge of you that can't communicate with God? You may as well just forget it. It's not going to work. Well, there's, there's just so much to this. I'm going to quit now talking. And if I'm on the earth tomorrow, and I mean that literally, I will most likely record another podcast. Thank you very much for allowing me to share with you today.